a lifetime of training, practice, study, hard work. Through discipline, some achieve excellence, mastery, fulfillment, self-actualization. What can we learn from their beginnings, discoveries, motivations, and falls? How do they dust themselves off and resume their journey? During these interviews, stories, and conversations, we reveal their intrinsic drive. The speed of life can be daunting. Some days there feels to be a need to pause, reflect, learn from the experiences of those who have transcended their challenges. I find myself returning to key moments from each guest during this first season, and I felt like sharing them with you. Reframing a fall to see the value in it, and more importantly, by not participating in the Olympic Games, Ronnie is assisting to maintain the standard. Falling short of the A standard for the five. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, when I look at everything, you know, the one thing that, you know, was just probably the most disappointing was just not being fast enough. And I know I was fast enough. I know I was fast yeah. enough to win in the Atlanta Olympics, but that A standard of 1325, I mean, sorry, 1329 flat that I had to reach and I ran 1329.25 and it was just too slow. And so, you know, I sit here in 2021. Okay, you know what? I wasn't good enough to run in the games because of the standard. There's a standard, and just the only thing that helped me get over that was the fact that hey, you're in the Navy. Guess what? The Navy is all about numbers and everything. So I get it. And so I didn't make the standard. I didn't run in it. So the integrity of the Olympics, I feel, was maintained. And I did my part to maintain the integrity of the Olympics by not running in it. And obviously, the fourth placer that finished behind me. He hit the standard three days later and he got to run in my place. So as far as I'm concerned, the 96 Olympics are had their integrity. The proper people ran the 5,000 for the United States. And let's leave it at that. So the integrity of the Olympics were upheld by Ronnie not competing. Shortly after his race, Olympic coaches told Ronnie they felt he was an Olympian by virtue of finishing third at the Olympic trials. So close, just 0.25 seconds over the Olympic standard. It's safe to say we've all had those what am I doing with myself moments, these pivotal milestones that catapult us one step closer to self-actualization. The whole experience just made me like reflect on like what like what am I doing with myself? You know, I I earned this full ride to Villanova and I'm, you know, I'm not doing I looked at it like, you know, kind of like I'm not getting paid a salary, but I earned a full ride and I'm not doing my job and I'm obviously not having fun. And just kind of, that was kind of just the total low point of like, what, what am I doing? So for me, like going forward, I had a completely different like mental outlook. Lack of focus kept Jen from the traveling squad to the indoor nationals her freshman year at Villanova University. Alone in her dormitory room, an empty campus, while her teammates were competing at the NCAA Indoor Championships, Jen had even more time to reflect on the impact of her choices during the Greyhound bus rides home and back to school. Jen's lowest moments became the building blocks for her transformation, following Sonia O'Sullivan, former Olympic silver medalist and Villanova star's summer training schedule. Jen began visualizing herself finishing second at Cross Country Nationals, which is exactly what she did, a stepping stone in a brilliant career for this three-time Olympian. 
Faith is the invisible force pulling us deeper into synchronicity, aligning with our true purpose. Distraction dissipates. I now understand that the most important thing is who I'm becoming. And if I take care of that, the, the promise is that everything else will be taken care of. While searching for his identity as a high school student, Andrew made lists of all labels given to him, realizing his craft and his faith were the true pillars defining his life. A middle-of-the-night epiphany, holding her young son in her arms, realizing she needed to make better choices. Not advocating for herself was no longer an option. Of, am I going to be a passive player mm-hmm. in my life? Or am I going to take the lead financially and make sure that um, I can have the life that I want? That was a defining moment for me, um, for sure. And it would completely change the trajectory of my life financially. Um, I do think that it had quite an impact on our life overall as well. Jennifer's story shows us the potential cost of our choices, moving beyond negative messaging, stretching herself to take on a managerial role, created the opportunity for Jennifer to write Think Like a Breadwinner and positively impact her family's life. Losing her entire life savings twice, the second at the hand of Ponzi schemer Bernie Madoff, Carmen teaches us the power of resilience. George James lost my first money that I had saved my whole life. It was something I didn't take it emotionally. I didn't, I didn't think, oh my God, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me is what I can figure out. Mm-hmm. I'm instantly on the job of Carmen. Mm-hmm. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, that, that, and then made off, uh, you know, I, I, that was, I just, and with, within, Seconds, uh, I didn't even give it another thought of, wow. of what had happened because I understood what had happened instantly, and it was amazing. The whole Madoff, my whole Madoff involvement, uh, you know, through the man I had been keeping company with for twelve years, who had who had put Madoff in business. I, I, it's too wild. I've been, I've had the privilege of real experience. Teaching herself to read with an undiagnosed astigmatism, overcoming pernicious anemia, supporting both parents as a young girl through her modeling gave Carmen the fortitude to overcome life's challenges with grace. As a tennis player and pro, Bob had all the physical attributes. He began to realize his lack of belief and negative mind turbulence blocked his path. But carry on to the court with me a lot of mental obstacles. I didn't really have physical obstacles. I mean, my backhand was was not strong. I mean, it was something that people could pick on. But physically, I was, you know, I was like fast. I was athletic. I had a good forehand. I had a good I was a lefty, which was an advantage. And I was able to play very good tennis when it didn't really count. And when it counted, There were a whole bunch of other things that were in my toolbox that I found I shouldn't be bringing with me. Like I was very negative with myself, negative self-talk. 
in those days, negative self-talk was like still relatively new. Like, what do you do about it? Or I would get frustrated or I would get impatient or I would be hypercritical of making an error. Instead of simply reading about the power of positive thinking, Bob decided to train out negative thoughts, behaviors, and actions one by one. He used his tennis tournaments as a way to flip the script in rewriting his negative stories. Deepa teaches us the power of shedding negative beliefs and stereotypes to find our inner strength. Last couple of years, realized that a lot of that is not me. A lot of that is what I was taught. And when you, um, and I find this with other women of color I work with now, once you let go of what is yours versus what you are taught, there's a lot of power in that. So a lot of my process, and again, I know the language now is I was shedding the beliefs I was taught. I was shedding the things I was told so that I could go back to, you know, my own inner strength. But I think that's a process for women of color that we have to be really conscious of and really teach ourselves. Sitting in the office of her 14th doctor after 20 years globetrotting as a corporate athlete left her physically, emotionally, and spiritually bankrupt. Her healing process provided a portal to realize the impact of her message empowering others to embrace their own power and thrive. Patrick shares his story of qualifying for the U.S. Olympic marathon trials after a two and a half year departure from the sport. While competing in the trials was an honor, a totally new talent and path was just nine weeks down the trail. Qualified for trials and uh, I ran in LA and I slowly worked my way up to 33rd and I realized it didn't really like mean anything, man. (laughs) You know, Um, I was like, wow, 33rd doesn't really get you something. You know, I, I thought it was very anticlimactic for me. That makes sense. It was an honor to compete at the Olympic trials, but of course, I decided that like nine weeks after trials, I was going to run my first hundred K. <laughs> <laughs> On to the next, yes, yes. So yeah, so it was literally nine weeks to the day after trials, and I prepared and I did a forty mile run in training at like race the race pace I wanted to run. I wanted to run six twenty five pace or something, six thirty pace. And I went there and I ran six twenty one a mile and I qualified for Team USA, man. I mean wow. There was just it was the I think at the time it was the the fifth, the sixth fastest run by a North American. Six fastest. So that was my that was my moment, man. That was my like, whoa, I'm gonna make Team USA probably. Leveraging his experience driving tricycle pedicabs for several years, seven days a week for eight to 12 hours a day to make a living, building huge quads and tremendous leg power. A volunteer coaching job at Savannah School of Art and Design led Patrick to becoming the head coach where he trained with both men and women's squads, creating a tremendous endurance platform, opening opening the road for his transition to ultra running. Professional squash player Chris Gordon shares his motivational shift from his beginnings with external desires to compete, play, and win to finding joy in the process of training and being healthy. Early in my career, the motivation was to play, the motivation was to compete, the motivation was to win. Mm-hmm. Where as I've gotten older and I've gotten further down the road in my career, the motivation has actually become to be able to train, to be able to lead this lifestyle of being extremely healthy, being extremely strong, being extremely fit. And by continuing to be a professional, by playing, 
that actually enables me to lead that lifestyle. So it's almost it's almost in a way flipped a bit. Like in the beginning, what I loved doing was, was <laughs> yes. competing and playing. Yes. Where now what I actually love doing is the actual day-to-day training and all the preparation that goes into it. You know, now, yes, I do enjoy the playing, but probably where the real love is, is in the preparation. Chris's love of daily preparation has been an essential ingredient in his longevity and 19-year career. He reminds us of the gift in embracing the appreciation to participate in the process. I am grateful to the guests who shared their stories with me. I've taken away tangible strategies, real-time approaches, and new ways of understanding, messages I'll continue to employ on my own road. Creating this show stretched me in ways I never thought possible. Many days, I honestly just wanted to throw in the towel. And learning so many different elements of this process, something new opened in me. I was pulled by an invisible force, a deeper intrinsic motivation. Extra shout out to Andrew Hollingworth, master editor and sound engineer, and thanks to all those who have listened, cheered, and championed this project. You're in Cooperstown. Which stories move you forward? How have these stories impacted you? What would you like to hear next? Let us know. Until then, I look forward to being with you on the next season and episode of Intrinsic Drive. Thanks for being with us. Opt in, rate and review us, subscribe, thumb us up, follow us on socials, like us, we like you. Tell us what stories move you. For videos and more information, visit us at wartonhealth.com and join us for the next episode of Intrinsic Drive.